Ever heard of London's famous Hyde Park? That's our destination, where on a dark and rainy evening, the man in our story had every opportunity to walk in the light, but instead chose darkness. Would the sun ever rise in his world? Let's get into it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Attention! Fall out! Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing to you the classic true story of the son of a preacher who had been raised to walk in the light, but found life took him in a different direction that was a lot more glamorous. But momentary glamour and fun led him to despondence. We'll get into that and more on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you want to stick around because later we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. Now, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you're really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. The classic true story of Peter Joshua. In the years just after World War I, when the lights had gone on again, London was a very merry and exciting city. The survivors of a generation of young men decimated by the horrors of a hundred battlefields were eager to begin living again. The clubs and theaters of the West End were bright with light and noisy with music. Historic Hyde Park, however, was a haven for the homeless, a forum for would-be revolutionaries, and a place of preaching for those with a message. On a wet Friday night in mid-autumn, a young man tried to find a little shelter on a park bench that stood under the branches of a tree. He had no top coat, and he shivered as he sat there. In time, he attracted the notice of another man as wet and bedraggled as himself. Hi, mate. Uh, you, uh, you couldn't be sparing a bloke a thruppany bit now, could you? My friend, if I had money, any money at all, I would not be sitting here in this drizzling rain. I told you smarch, but uh, it's a Bond Street tailor's suit you're wearing, <laughs> and I thought, well, uh, ah, well, it's true, isn't it? Fine feathers <laughs> don't make fine birds. If you like the suit, you should have seen my top coat. I sold it to a pawnbroker. When a tough like you has hard luck, it's always a good day for the pawnbroker. <laughs> Planning to spend the night here? I've no place else to go, yes. Well, better day again, you better learn how to go about it. Come along with me, we'll, we'll find some newspapers and I'll teach you how to bed down warm and proper. That's how things were with the man whose story you're about to hear. Surprisingly, he started out in life with every opportunity. Still, he came at last to a park bench. You'll learn how that came about and what happened afterward as we bring you the classic true story of Peter Joshua, right now on Unshackled. It's true. I walked in darkness by choice, though a far better choice was certainly open to me. You see, I was born in Cardiff, Wales, the son of the pastor of one of the largest churches in the west of Britain. My father was Seth Joshua, a most remarkable man. 
At the turn of the century, he and others were greatly concerned over the low spiritual state of the Welsh people, and they began to pray about it. Beginning in 1899, my father went every day to the bank of a nearby river to discuss the problem with God. Lord, I ask that thou wilt give me this land of Wales. And Lord, raise up a young man from the field as thou didst with Elisha. Now, Lord, I think he should not be from Oxford, lest his appeal be only intellectual. Nor should he be from Cambridge, lest his appeal be socially intellectual. Lord, take him from the field and confound the mighty with the weak. My father prayed that way for five years, and many others in Wales were praying as he was. And in 1904, God answered their prayers. He took the young man not from the field, but from below the field. For Evan Roberts, whom God used to touch off the famous Welsh revival, was a coal miner. It was in the atmosphere generated by the wonders of the great Welsh revival that I was reared. There were eight of us children, and my father, observing us, used to make an interesting comment. Eight children? Think of it, and they are eight living volumes on original sin. I entered a seminary and assisted my father in his work while I was a student. I sang in the choir, taught a Bible class, helped administer the Lord's Supper, and even preached in my father's pulpit. But there was a terrible lack. I did not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. In 1914, along with most of the other young men of Britain, I went into the British Army as a private. In France, I rose to become a field captain in the Royal Welsh Fusiliers. In 1916, I was wounded on the Somme. In 1917, I was sent to Mesopotamia and entered the city of Jerusalem behind General Allenby. Then we moved again to Macedonia, where along with my orderly Corporal Williams, we infantry set up in Salonika for a fight with Bulgarian troops and some of the bloodiest fighting of the war. But, sir, you're already wounded. Maybe you should... Williams, hand me my boot. Yes, sir. Now, we will advance. Grab your gear and get ready. Yes, sir. We'll take cover behind that pile of dead soldiers. On my order, stay close. Yes, Captain. Go! <laughs> Master William, pick it up! Yes, sir! No! No! Captain! Oh, Captain Joshua! I'm coming, Williams! I crawled out across the rough ground, and after a minute or two was able to tumble into the shell hole with my badly wounded orderly. Uh, you needn't have come, sir. Nonsense, man. Let me have a look at your wound. Oh, it won't do a bit of good. I've, I've been done in, sir. Do you expect me to sit here and do nothing for you? Oh, no, sir. But now that you're here, there is something you can do for me. And what's that? You can write a letter to my old mother and tell her how things were with me. You know I'll do that, Williams. Here. Here's the address. I haven't written to her for a couple of weeks now. She'll be worrying. 
And I'd appreciate it if you'd just write as soon as you can, sir. And what would you like me to tell her? After I've said that you served well and bravely. There's just one thing, sir. And it will make the whole thing easier for her to bear. I doubt that losing a son is ever easy to bear. It will be. If you write as I tell you. I will. What do you want me to say? Simply tell her this, sir. Tell her that I died in Christ. And? That's all, sir. That tells it all. After that, there is nothing more that needs be said. And it is true. I am dying in Christ. I wrote to Corporal William's mother, of course, and told her just what he had said. It made a deep impression on me. For William's straightforward confidence as he faced death was, to me, a remarkable thing. I thought of it often in the months that followed. But I never allowed it to change the course of my life, and that was directly away from the things of God that I had been taught as a boy. When the war ended and I found myself out of the service, I could have gone home to Cardiff, resumed my studies in the seminary, and become a minister like my father. However, I was in conflict with God and wanted to live my own life in my own way. London was just then trying to forget the war as rapidly as possible, and the mood of the day suited me perfectly. Or so I thought. Have you any experience in theatre? Not exactly. Then why would you think I'd want you? Because I'm a Welshman, and if anything can be said true of a Welshman, they've got marvellous singing voices. Well, we, we do have place for eight chorus men. And that's quite a few to fill. If you think I'm good enough, you can place me in the front line. Yes, we'll see about that. Name of the show is Tonight's the Night. I've heard of it. Good. And if you're any good, you may be in it. My baritone voice landed me the job, and the director placed me in the front of the line as I suggested. To me, a very young man just out of the military service, it was glamorous and exciting. But to my family and friends at home in Wales, it was something else again. They chose to be patient and persistent in prayer, hoping God would change the direction of my life. Well, it changed. It all started when another member of the chorus, the man who danced next to me, showed up very drunk for a performance. Between the acts, the leading lady registered a complaint with the stage manager. I tell you, that imbecile is drunk. Absolutely stacked. He's been staggering right out there on stage. Well, well he's not quite that bad. And he's getting plenty of exercise that may sober him up a if bit. If he doesn't knock me down first. Just keep an eye on him. How can I not? He's already bumped into me twice. Well, we need him out there, so deal with it just a bit longer. And then? I'll sack him at the end of the performance. You mean it? You won't have to deal with him again. That's where the stage manager made his mistake. He should not have allowed the fellow to go onto the stage at all. Just at the end of the second act, with things going very nicely, the intoxicated chorus man somehow extended his leg when he shouldn't have done so, 
and tripped the leading lady. Gregory! I, I saw it! I saw it! I'm, I'm terribly sorry! You're terribly sorry. I'm touched deeply. You aren't the one who was tripped by that drunken oaf. You aren't the one who went sprawling headlong. And you are not the one those hyenas are laughing about at this moment. I I'll give him the sack at once. Give him the sack? Thank you, but that's not nearly enough to satisfy me. Well, what do you want me to do? Discharge the whole chorus? As a matter of fact, yes. That's a grand idea. Well, I, I, I didn't mean they should all go. If you want me as your leading lady, get rid of all of them. And that is how it happened that I was clean out, flat broke, and making my home on a bench in Hyde Park on a drizzly, chilly evening. Oh, I could have asked my father to send money. He'd have done it. And I could have gone home to Wales to resume my studies in the seminary. But I was much too proud for anything like that. So rather than swallow my pride, I sat on a wet park bench and learned from another derelict how to keep myself warmly wrapped in old newspapers. And there, in the park, I had a very unexpected experience. Folks, we'll get back to Peter's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or... Visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. And then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check. Unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the classic true story of Peter Joshua. My first night in Hyde Park was a Friday. I slept on a bench with my feet wrapped in newspapers. Early in the evening, I was bothered a little by the voices of the political orators who delivered soapbox harangues for the benefit of any small knot of curious people who might gather. Later, I was bothered only by the coldness of the night, the wetness of the rain, the hardness of the bench, and the misery of my heart. In the morning, I went to a religious establishment nearby where they customarily handed out hot fish to the derelicts. Then, with nothing to do, I spent the rest of the day just kicking stones around, idly wandering from place to place and wondering what I was to do next. Evening came on and I again sought the shelter, such as it was, of Hyde Park. The soapbox orators were out in force. 
The true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. Although it was a foggy night, I moved off to a corner that was comparatively quiet. Then, after a few minutes, the corner was invaded by a very unobtrusive arrival. It was a small woman, a young girl, really. She walked into the pool of light under a misty lamp. I saw that she was carrying a small black bag. As I watched, she prepared, apparently, to read aloud. I thought perhaps she was one of that breed of struggling poets who, finding no audience, willing to buy their wares, are forced to go out into public places and read their own poetry aloud. Then, since no one else was paying the slightest attention to her, and she had no audience at all, I decided to listen, simply out of gallantry. As I moved toward her through the curling mists, she looked my way and then began to sing. What though clouds are hovering o'er me And I seem to walk alone Longing mid my cares and crosses For the joys that now are flown if I Jesus Jesus only, then my sky will have a gem. He's the sun of brightest splendor and the star of Bethlehem. That girl's eyes never left my face as she sang. And as I listened to the words I said to myself, that's me she's singing about. Clouds are hovering over me, and I seem to walk alone. What though all my earthly journey bringeth not but weary hours, and in grasping for life's roses, thorns I find instead. you are, but I have good news for you. Christ Jesus, my Savior, came into the world to save sinners. At that, I was angry. All the intellectual pride that I had acquired during my seminary training welled up in me. It was punctured and pained by the simple, direct, evangelical message of faith as expressed there in the fog by the girl. Then, she spoke again. I have better news for you, sir, than that. Christ Jesus came into the world to save you. That cut me down to size. And then, to affect me even more, I recalled the scene in the shell hole in Macedonia. There is nothing more that needs to be said. Just tell my mother, I am dying in Christ. 
The words of that small girl in the fog and the memory of the words of Corporal Williams in the shell hole, together they opened my heart. And I think I fairly fell into the arms of the Lord. Well, the direction of my life was reversed, just as my family and friends had been praying that it would be. My father arranged for me to study in a seminary in the United States. My first pastorate was in Huntington, Long Island, and there were others later in other parts of the United States. In 1943, I was asked by Harry Saulnier, superintendent of Pacific Garden Mission, to be the speaker at an Easter sunrise service to be held in Chicago's gigantic soldier field. Many thousands of people were expected. As the day drew near, I became frightened at the thought of trying to preach to so many people. And at last I told Harry Saulnier how I felt. No, brother, I don't think I should get someone else. I believe the Lord led me to invite you to speak. And there doesn't seem to be any good reason to change the plan. Yes, but I think I just can't go through with it. Of course you can. After all... You're not the one those people are coming to hear. They want to hear the word of God. You are just the instrument. I had foolishly forgotten that when we bring people God's word, we are only instruments. After that, the fear left me. Then, on the morning of the sunrise service, threatening storm clouds hung over Lake Michigan. A group of Christian businessmen gathered together to pray, asking God to keep the rain away until the service was ended. Well, brother, I think it's time to begin. What about the rain? We've left that problem in God's hands. All we have to think about now is the service. And he was right. There were over 70,000 people in attendance and those storm clouds remained motionless for more than an hour. Then, as the service ended, they moved in from the lake. In a matter of minutes, the great stadium was drenched with rain. But hundreds came to know Christ as their savior that morning, and God was teaching me along the way. The Bible says that Jesus Christ conquered the grave. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what does that mean exactly? It means that Jesus rose again. He didn't stay on the cross or in the tomb. He rose again and today he is alive. He is a living Christ. I do not offer you a dead Christ. I offer you a Christ who is alive and who is someday going to reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is a reason to celebrate here today if you know him personally. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, everyone who surrenders their life to him will be with God forever in heaven. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The resurrection of Jesus is mentioned more than 100 times in the New Testament. 
What will you do with this information today, friend? If you don't receive Jesus as Lord, you'd better do something. A few years ago, I read a book about Gladys Aylward, the small woman who served so magnificently in China for many years. And when I read about how she, as a young girl, had often gone to sing and to witness in London's Hyde Park, I wondered if she could possibly be... Well, I wrote to her, and on her next visit to Chicago, we met. I can't say for sure, but it sounds as though... In fact, I'm quite sure it must have been I, the one who sang to you that night. I hope so. God doesn't often allow us to know much about the way he uses us. I thought it might make you happy to know that those cold, wet nights you spent there were not altogether wasted. It does. Believe me, it does. It makes me very happy. Maybe we should call it the sixth happiness. Dr. Peter Joshua, as an evangelist, continued the path of service that he first walked, by faith, that misty night in London. Field captain, chorus man, and then a servant of God. This is the pattern of redemption, a complete change of direction and a new life as men and women, seeing their need as helpless sinners, receive Christ by faith and thus receive the redemption for which he paid the price. If you are longing mid your cares and crosses for the joys that now have flown, then the answer for you is Jesus. If we confess and believe in him as our Lord and Savior. Have you received the help you can find in Jesus, friend? And if you haven't, why not do so today? Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 promise that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you need help in making this crucial decision, we encourage you to get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607, or call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. 
All right, the prize for this sweepstakes contest is another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is Psalm 34.1, which says, I will bless the Lord at all times. This is a gorgeous little thing, especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from Scripture. You will love this authentic wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch or log and cut in such a way as to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. And this one's even got some <laughs> extra character, as it looks like a knot from the tree was sawn off with it. If you'd like a peek at this Scripture plaque, you're welcome to visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org and stop by the audio drama page for a picture. And next time... Well, Johnny, that storm of yours didn't last very long. No, but it was fun while it lasted. Look here. Seems like this buffalo robe ought to keep us warm. Should at that. Oh, and looky here. Silver-mounted whip and sleigh bells. We'll just take them all along. <laughs> <laughs> a funny prank turned terribly wrong. Somebody paying us a visit. Deacon Martin and the sheriff's with him. Any idea what he'd want here? You expecting company? No, Ma. No idea at all. Cully? No, ma'am. And instead of taking responsibility, Carl Wilcox set out on the run. <laughs> Seeing his own name on a wanted ad, he knew he hadn't run far enough. There is something here, though. What? Trouble, Johnny. Big trouble. Don't miss part one of this fugitive's exciting story. The story of William Cullen Wilcox, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Peter Joshua were Jeff Parker, Brian Plaharchik, Mike Rogalski, Brad Armacost, and Angela Morris. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Martin Robinson. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Jack O'Dell and Kylie Hammond. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>